Now, it's time to put it all on the table through mediation. Your host, Teresa E. Keeves, is a professional mediator, here to educate, inform, enlighten, and inspire everyone about the great benefits in the process of professional mediation to resolve conflicts, disagreements, and disputes relating to business or personal matters. Now, here's your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Good morning. Good morning to everyone out there, my fabulous listeners. My name is Teresa E. Keeves, and I'm your host for Put It All on the Table Through Mediation. And the topic of our show this morning is Generation to Generation. This is where me and my fabulous uh, panel of guests, we're going to take a deep look at what is really happening to our society and to review the causations that has taken a negative effect in our world. I just love this topic. It was one that was by my fabulous mental health therapist brother, Reginald C. Campbell, a little bit ago. I am certain that I, I mentioned it to you on a, a couple of shows back and um, as I wanted to talk about this subject on my last broadcast, but here comes the but, things happen. So I had to move it to today's schedule, and here we are. Okay, now, get this, guys. I have three great guests for today's discussion, and I'm going to introduce them to you in just a few moments, but let me say a few things first. It's a beautiful sunny day here in Arizona. The high is supposed to be 100 degrees again. Are the triple digits ever going to leave us for a moment or what? Remember, I told you all that a few years back we were triple digits into November. And I'm just saying I think this is a repeat of that a few years ago. Now, how are all of you out there? Say it along with me. We are doing great, Teresa. How are you? Well, my response is I am blessed, I'm grateful, I'm successful, I'm favored, and I have fabulous listeners out there. Now, how was that for your answer? (laughs) And I know that all you are feeling the same. If not, you will be. Now, my show two weeks ago aired um, an encore presentation. That discussion was with Sandy Roberts, and the title was Mediating Differences in a World Filled with Turmoil, kind of apropos for this show. Anyway, for all of you out there who did not have the opportunity to listen to it when it aired initially, I gave you the opportunity to hear it again as it was a great conversation between Sandy Roberts and myself. And let me remind you all out there that my shows are archived. So should you miss a broadcast and or should you want to hear a topic on a particular subject, please feel free to go to TalkZone.com, look to the right of your screen for the legal channel, click on it, and go to the title of my show, put it all on the table through mediation. And on this same vein of topic, I would like to remind you that TalkZone.com has an app, okay? It is free, guys, and you can download it into your devices, and this way you can hear my shows 24-7 if you choose to. Okay, now, all that is out of the way. As I said before, the topic of um, my show today is generation to generation. This is a very... Very important topic for me, you all, as I will echo what Joyce Meyer said on her recent program, and that is that I am very concerned about the world. 
I am taking it further with our topic today. This morning, I am joined by three well-rounded, highly educated, highly experienced professionals to weigh in on this topic. Now, let me give you a bit of background. My first guest is Terry Griffiths. Let me tell you something about this phenomenal woman. She earned a Bachelor of Science in Criminal Justice and worked as a probation and parole officer for two different states before attending law school. After practicing law for several years, she earned a master's in taxation. Uh, She got a degree from the University of Florida while working as a staff attorney for a federal judge. Recently, she served as an acting attorney general for the Virgin Islands until a permanent replacement was found. She continues to advocate for implementation of restorative justice concepts, dispute resolution in the schools, all way through the criminal justice system. Interaction between the offenders and the community victim reduces recidivism and minimizes the cost of warehousing criminal offenders. The costs are much higher than the 80000 per year to house each prisoner. Okay? Now, I met Terry... Um, a few years ago in Washington, D.C. at Pepperdine University um, of Law Strauss Institute for Dispute Resolution as we both were there to acquire our certificate in mediating the litigated case. Phenomenal woman. Now, let me introduce you to my next guest, Reginald Campbell, who is a fantastic mental health therapist. Let me give you a little bit of his credentials. He has 20 years as a psychological caseworker juvenile court experience, clients with substance abuse. He is a member of the American Counseling Association and the Psychological Association. He has 10 years of experience in dealing with the beginning, middle, and ending of HIV and AIDS. He is certified BSM-4 Diagnostic Statistical Manual, certified trauma therapy, certified child welfare caseworker, Certified mental health professional, and he has a master's in clinical mental health. All right. My next phenomenal woman is Sandy Roberts. She is also a returning guest. Some of her credentials are she is an adjunct faculty in psychology department at Phoenix College. She is a board member of the Arizona Association for Conflict Resolution. She has been in the crisis behavioral field for over 20 years. She is certified by the Department of Mental Health as trainer of trainers in crisis intervention and suicide prevention. And she works with individuals in high stress and highly visible professional positions and careers. I welcome my guests for joining me this morning. Good morning, Terry, Sandy and Reginald. Good morning, Teresa. Thank you so much for being on my show. I am so uh, uh, so. Excited, and I so appreciate you taking your time to discuss this important um, topic with me. Um, are you all ready for a good discussion? Ready to get your your thoughts going? You're all oiled up. Ready to go? Yes. All right, Reginald. How's it going this morning? It's going well. I'm I'm um, <clears throat> I'm thankful and blessed to be on on the panel with. Um, uh, these two fantastic women, and uh, look forward to another day of, of uh, sunshine and and helping and blessing people than others. Absolutely. 
Okay, now what that says, brother, and for all of you out there who don't know, Reginald is my brother. <laughs> Actually, we're, we're from the same mom and dad, so we're yep. really brother and sister. Okay, Reginald, I'm going to uh, start this first question, and I'm going to direct it to you. And um, panelists, please feel free that should you have a comment you want to make, please jump in so we can have a, a lively discussion. Okay, Reginald. The premise of this discussion this morning is to talk about the barometer of our world. As they say in slang terminology, things are off the chain. Now, seemingly, our society members have a no-care position about what they do to themselves and to others and what they say and how they say it. And it seems like, Reginald, that they have no regard for the consequences that can follow such negative behavior. Now, off the chain, uh, behavior from our society members is nothing new. Mm-hmm. However, what I'm saying here is that things have worsened and continue to do so. What the heck is going on? Who, you know, what do, what do you think is happening, Reginald? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I think right the, the respect. The, the disrespect and lack of respect and all of that has definitely ratcheted up the last 30, 35 years. And and it comes down, in my opinion, to the breakdown, the continued breakdown of the American family, uh, mm-hmm. the breakdown of the American family structure, where, mm-hmm. um, you know, parents took pride in raising their kids. Parents raised their kids. Parents... Um, uh, corrected their kids. Parents made sure that their kids did what they were supposed to and were respectful to people. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it's such a lack of that. Now, the mm-hmm. reason, in my opinion, one of the many reasons is because of, well, so many things. Um, uh, the introduction of, of more drugs in our society mm-hmm. has affected the family, which has affected uh, unfortunately, parents and their children. You mm-hmm. know, I, I, I work with families where the parents are not only on drugs, but the kids are on drugs. And the kids were introduced to drugs by the parents. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so here's that breakdown of the family. And then yes. you have things where um, the government is not involved. Again, I said this a few weeks ago when we have a certain party that wants to scream and holler about how bad government is. Well, government is good. Government is supposed to help our people. Government is for the people, by the people, and constitution people. And the government has cut back on so many programs that assist people. Cut back mm-hmm. on programs for veterans. Cut back on programs that assist uh, people with, with mental illnesses, you know. So when the government is talking about, a certain party talks about there's too much spending, translated that means that they want, we want to cut away all of these programs that assist people and that assist families. Absolutely. And you know what, Reginald, on that same vein, I was just reading an article, um, um, you know, on um on my on my iPad this morning, and it was talking about that Social Security, you know, they're supposed to have an increase in the benefits across the board, everything that's under the Social Security umbrella, and they're not going to do that, you know. 
um, right now. And it's like their, their, their reasoning that they are attributing this to is that because the gas prices are so low. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I, I chuckled myself. I'm like, okay, so because the gas prices are, they were saying on the average of $2 and 30 cents a gallon. So now we can increase the veterans, um, uh, uh, benefits, social security, SSI and so forth and so on. Terry, I would like to hear what your thoughts are on what we're discussing right now. Well, I concur with Reginald that um, the lack of family involvement has a, you know, adverse impact. But I think as a culture, our children or that the younger generation, so to speak, isn't developing the social skills, and that's where we come in with dispute resolution. They don't, they're not learning the skills to resolve a dispute like they did when children played in the playground and they had to resolve their own differences. They're not getting the teaching, you know, in the churches because a lot of families don't attend church anymore. Um, I think if anything the schools could do or the government is begin teaching dispute resolution very early in the grade schools. Um, There's a book, I think it's by Daniel Goldman, Emotional Intelligence. They Mm -hmm. should start role-playing with children as early as first and second grade about words do hurt and mm-hmm. um, help the children develop empathy and dispute resolution skills when they're in the first and second grade instead of so many years later that, you know, they haven't naturally developed those skills. Um, Absolutely. The second thing is mm-hmm. electronics. Um, there's also a book by Nicholas Carr called The Shallows, and the book's thesis is that um, allowing our children to be on electronics, whether it be television, the games, the iPad, the iPhone, is reprogramming their brains and not in a good way. And they don't develop logical uh, reasoning skills. They don't, and again, they're not developing social skills that they would by interacting with other children. Absolutely. Sandy, I'd like to hear what your thoughts are. Well, I agree, of course, completely with Terry and with Reginald, and mm-hmm. they've said that extremely well. Um, mm-hmm. I think that our health care system and our education system have failed us just tremendously, sadly, tragically, mm-hmm. really. And mm-hmm. we have, you know, government, um, you know, should be sent to the woodshed, really, because the politicians have become such negative role models. Um, mm-hmm. They are bullying. They are tearing each other apart. They are they are doing everything that we're telling our children that they shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. And it's embarrassing because it's on television. It's in the news. It's everywhere you go, and it's it's a role model of that it's fine to fight and it's fine to call everybody terrible names and it's fine to try to undermine them and um, and and then they get paid more money from other parties to be able to do that. I mean, to be able, yeah. Well, it's somewhat on that same, um, that's somewhat on the same vein, um, uh, guys, that uh, with all of these reality shows, um, I've, I've came up with this, this new saying that um, 
I like being soft and pink. I'm a woman. Now that, that entails a lot, a lot of things. And I've discussed this with my brother, but I'm going to discuss it with you. And that means that I love being a woman and everything that encompasses that. Um, women on these reality shows, the, the Hollywood wives and Atlanta and all of this, it's, you know, and it's, it's very, um, uh, these shows are very popular and they're very popular with the parents going back to what you guys are saying. And so therefore they're allowing their children to see it. And then the parents are at the same time taking on the persona of these television shows. Women no longer sit the way they're supposed to sit. They don't talk the way they're supposed to talk. They, they treat themselves nasty. So therefore they treat each other nasty. And it's just, it's just out of control. Um, I do agree with everything that you guys have said, um, about this first question that I, that I did pose to you. Um, Terry, thank you for these books that you, you know, you're such a bookworm and, um, I've written them down and I am going to purchase these books. And I, I agree with, um, about the electronics particularly because with my grandchildren I'm you know am now really enforcing to get off of the to get off of the the, the, the electronics. You've been on it long enough. You're not gonna sit there for the next hour and look at this. Then I bring them downstairs if, or wherever I am and I engage them in a conversation. You know? So Yeah. yeah. That is, mm-hmm. and, and that is so that is that is so true, you guys. I mean uh where where kids you know, rather text, and, and not only kids, but, but the 20-something-year-olds, the 25, 28, 29-year-olds, and you're no longer a kid at 28, 29, but you're, you know, still learning, um, where they have no idea of, you know, how about picking up the phone and, and having a conversation with me other than texting me? You know, mm-hmm. the first thing they do, they want to send you a text instead of instead of ringing the phone in, in, in a live voice. You know, exactly. that part of just picking up the phone and having a conversation with someone has been lost, which is very sad. Absolutely. Um, Terry, do you agree um, on that vein? Do you agree that the uh, the contact with human touches is also depleting? Um, I don't know about the human touch. I think I'd like to comment on something you said earlier about politicians. We have a media now that sells the reality shows, and they're not reality shows. They sensationalize, and they, they don't print the news anymore. And our whole culture is driven by dirty laundry news. So mm-hmm. I think that impacts our children. I mean, people act out. It's now become the accepted norm instead of looked down upon. So I'm back to, mm-hmm. I think, we got to start with the church and the families and, and the schools back in grade school of teaching children the proper way you know manners number one and then how to interact with others mm-hmm. but we're going to have to consciously do that because we've lost it mm-hmm. yes we have sandy do you agree with that i do i do wholeheartedly and as as you know Teresa, i am a very very strong advocate uh, for the conflict resolution programs in the schools i have been involved in that since 1991 so I mm-hmm. really go back. I have seen the difference that it makes in schools. I've seen the difference that it makes in the youth that are involved in the program. And as as you know, we have a conference coming up in Arizona for yes. the schools, a statewide mm-hmm. conference that will mm-hmm. be held in Scottsdale in, in just a couple of weeks. And mm-hmm. I'm very excited that we're able to do that. But 
what troubles me is we've run into so many roadblocks and the schools, the administration, in so many cases, fight this instead of embracing it, uh, even when it's shown to absolutely make a difference. Uh, we need to get it into the grade schools. I know that places where that does happen, uh, really, they have less stress. They have less uh, problems. I know that when I was um, in charge of programs and bringing them into the schools, uh, I was fortunate because I had grant funding, and so I wasn't um, reliant on the school to have to mm-hmm. be able to do it. Uh, in all of the schools that come to our conference, there's only one program that has some grant monies. And we have schools that end up not being able to make it at the last minute because they gave the school bus to someone else that day. And mm-hmm. here we may have, you know, 20 students or 40 students who suddenly are standing there waiting to, you know, come to our conference, and they can't, they can't because the bus doesn't come to get them. Uh, and so we're, we're not putting the effort into the right places because these are the people who are going to be in the workplace. I don't know where the mental disconnect is about, you know, these are the generations that grow up that are going to be in the workplaces and everything. Mm-hmm. Next. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a shame. And um, I, too, have worked in the mental health field like Reginald, and mm-hmm. I've worked CPS cases. And I know how hard it is. I see firsthand uh, why the cost of medical care is driven up when people without any resources are forced to sit in the emergency rooms and hope that they can get help. And it just, you know, instead of taking care of them, we ignore them. You know, we as a, as a, as a society. Absolutely. And I'm not. <laughs> yeah. You know, and our, you know, Sandy and I every year, something that we, we uh, share is that um, on November 4th, um, uh, you know, there are a, a number of high school students that come in, and this is our volunteer work where we teach um, peer mediation. And what, what gladdens me, um, uh, Sandy, I will say, is that the number of us professional mediators that I see there year after year. And it also yeah. gladdens me when I notice, okay, I noticed this young lady was here year before, the last year, and so forth. But what saddens me is that when I know that it's just what you're saying, how the the schools and the parents and the other powers to be are putting too much emphasis on, um, okay, let's let's be sure we get to the football team. Let's sure let's be sure you know everyone gets to the Halloween party, you know. But these these the football team and the Halloween party are not going to manifest you into being the individual that you need to be in your life. They're forever tooting about the you know, the the uh, next generation that's coming up and we need to set this and, and so forth and so on. But you haven't set up any kind of education or anything that is going to be life worthwhile for these individuals, these generations coming after us. I do want to make a comment about, um, I believe it was Terry was saying something about the um, uh, media um, and and that the media does uh, toot a lot of the negativeness. Now, I I know that, I don't know if all of you did, but I know that my brother and I, we were commenting back and forth about the Democratic um, debate this week. And um, I, I thought that, that Hillary, of course, did exceptional. But what I did not like was the moderator, uh, Anderson Cooper. I felt that, <laughs> that he was uh, quite um, disrespectful and, in, in his mannerisms of how 
he um, was talking to the panelists. Uh, he would in, he would interrupt them. If they said to them, give me some more time, he would tell them things like, well, you, you read the, you read the agreement, you signed. I just think that's disrespectful. And we're, we're going out all over the world showing these people how disrespectful we can be. And yet, um, our consciousness, some people's consciousness will adhere to that and they'll feel that that's the way that they're supposed to act. You know what I'm saying? That, that is so true. And, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't like how, um, Anderson Cooper would interrupt. He would ask the question, and if um, the panelists were not basically fighting, um, he would he would interrupt them uh, and, and say something. Well, but but he said, you know, so 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 there's this thing of trying to get people to argue and fight instead of discussing the issues, and mm-hmm. um, just going back to. Some of these so-called reality shows, I totally agree with. Um, I'm not sure which, which one of the ladies said so-called reality shows because because they're not. Uh, no, they aren't. Surfing, I was channel surfing the other day. I think it was Sunday evening, and I can't recall two of these so-called reality shows: NBA basketball, Why, and and some of these other ones. And it's it's just totally disgusting to me how. You know, these women are acting towards each other. They're cursing. They're fighting. They're, you know, what is, what is the purpose? What is, what's the purpose of that? You know, and, and, and kids see this. Kids who don't have a family, kids who don't have parents who are, you know, in there monitoring what they're doing and saying things like this. They're seeing these things and they're, and they're, and they're picking it up. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I really commend you guys for, um, the mediating part in, in the high school. I, I'm a firm believer of if, if we can touch at least one or two, if we can do that, and then that kid touches somebody else. So, you know, a drop of water in the ocean can cause a ripple. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's what that's happening, you know, just causing that small ripple. And, and the schools, you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm a sports fan. I believe in sports and all of this. But, I mean, come on, we need to broaden the um, programs of how we can get our kids to act and, and respect each other because it, it, it's really at a loss right now in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to interrupt you right here because we need to take a break. So you guys go and warm up your coffee and tea and come back with me and my panel. Thank you. that bullying in the workplace and in our schools, whether it's grammar schools or high schools, is becoming more and more prevalent. This includes the rise of verbal abuse and physical abuse to our senior citizens. As a matter of fact, bullying is on the cusp of becoming a dominant occurrence in today's society. For example, CareerBuilder.com survey of 2012 noted that about 50% of all workplace bullying goes unreported. And NBC News reported that bullying statistics of 2013 for senior citizens is on the rise in America. And that statistics for bullying-related incidences in our schools, well, unfortunately, it is on the rise. If you find yourself being bullied in school or in the workplace and you need someone to help resolve your differences, 
voices with professionalism, fairness, impartiality, and given a platform to be heard. Give me a call. Professional mediator Teresa E. Keyes at 480-283-7270 or email me at Teresa at mediationtalkshow.expert. Now it's time to put it all on the table through mediation. Here's your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Thank you for returning with me, my fabulous guests, Reginald Campbell, Terry Griffiths, and Sandy Roberts. And the topic of our discussion today is generation to generation. Now, um, panel, I chose something from the book of Proverbs 4:10 to 27, and it says, uh, pertaining to generations, Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Now, um, Terry, you had um, said something uh, uh, elaborated. Just, I'm sorry, you said something a little bit about, um, you know, about the church, the importance of that. So, having read this this little insert from the book of uh, Proverbs, could you elaborate um, a little bit more on for our listeners about the importance of of the connection of a greater power, God, than ourselves? Let's say. Well, I think faith, you know, teaching children faith at a very young age gives them something to rely upon in in very difficult times when they might feel hopeless and do something, you know, irrational because they feel like they have no other choices. I mean, the reliance upon the church to teach children at a young age values and morals and boundaries is something that's missing and and. You know, we haven't found another way to replace it. Um, you know, the same thing for um, the church and help with the elderly. In in decades past, if, if an elderly person or a family had even fallen on hard times, the church members there were there to go to that family in the community. So that's left mm-hmm. a, a huge gaping hole in society. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And one thing that I have said, and I've said it um, many times, um, um, Sandy, is that our society throw away the elderly, which is our wisdom, and they just ignore our kids. Do you agree with that? I do. I do. (laughs) Especially as I get older. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, because there's so much I, you know, I, 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 my brother and I, you know, we talk about that, um, you know, I have always surrounded myself with someone who has come before me and has, in my words, have done it. You know, they've gone through things, they've learned things, they've, they're successful, they, 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 um, know that they come from something more than themselves. They know that they're not hooked up to a GE generator. They believe in God. They can correct me in my mistakes. They can answer my questions. They can guide me along. So I really, I really, really, you know, look forward, you know, in having people like that in my lives or even just for a brief moment having a conversation and anyone who knows me or know of me know that I love children, which is one of the reasons that I'm, you know, pushing 
um, uh, peer mediation in grammar schools. This is something I have discussed with all of you. And um, I'm I'm starting at third grade because at third grade, our children's minds have been so tainted with things that they should not have seen, done or spoken about. And um, and this is the hopes that I get them, you know, at a young age. Now, I'm, I'm, you know, I definitely love the fact that, you know, we have high school peer mediation because that needs to be done as well. But I also feel that, you know, we can in conjunction um, like like Terry was saying that, you know, we need to get them, you know, at a very young, you know, very young age, Reginald. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, I totally agree. We need to get them at a young age, especially with things <clears throat> the way that they are now. Um, mm-hmm. I believe it started that in second and, and third grade. And, and just as I was listening to you guys, um, you know, regarding peer mediation, well, that peer mediation piece could be in um, in the high schools, in the grammar schools uh, with, with sports, uh, because these kids still need to learn if they stay on the basketball or football team in the 7th, 8th, ninth grade or high school, you still need to know how to deal with with um, um, things that, you know, you may, you may not agree with. Uh, mm-hmm. Just look at how many uh, professional athletes who have run a buck. Uh, Lamar mm-hmm. Odom, for one. Yes. Of, mm-hmm. of, of, of many. Uh, so, Somewhere they miss, even though these guys have made all of these millions of dollars and, and lost it, but that's another thing, have made all of these millions of dollars, they don't know how to solve the problem. They don't know how to speak to an officer if they're pulled over. They don't know how to um, uh, speak with someone in the grocery store if someone happens to step on their shoe accidentally. So, you know, this is it's, this peer mediation I think is so needed and, 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 it, and it should be done in a, in a shotgun method and, and definitely starting early. We've got mm-hmm. to get them early. Exactly. Because kids have the wherewithal, um, you guys too. They can, they can, they can finagle, you know, uh, and, and a, um, a, a, a device, <laughs> you know, a computer device better than we can. You know, and, and, and some of us has master's degrees in it, such as myself, you know, oh no, you do this and you do that and blah, 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 blah. But a lot of the things that they talk about, guys, are a lot of the things that they should not be doing, you know, with all of the acronyms and, and all of this kind of stuff, you know. Um, uh, you know, our kids are, yeah. And, and as far as Lamar Odom, um, it's, it's another sad story, you know, of a, of a human being who did not, um, get the right, Rearing, as the old people used to say. And the thing is, is that his father was on drugs. And one thing I don't believe is that um, they say, oh, well, the reason his father was on drugs is because he was on drugs. Well, you know, uh, all I'm saying is this, is that too often human beings lose their way, you know, and they see things happening around them. So my 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 next question um, to you, Terry, is that. In that, on that same vein, um, you have children who see that their parents have run amok. I'm going to take that word from my brother. And then they go that way that the parent has. But then you have children who look at, at their family structure and says, I'm not doing that. 
You you understand what I'm saying? Have you ever? What I, do you I think? I do. I understand yeah. what you're saying, and and I guess I you know I'm not. Um, you got to have a safety net, and I'd say for those children whose whose families were dysfunctional, at some point there was somebody who interceded on their behalf, be it a teacher or a pastor mm-hmm. or a neighbor. Somebody said, "Listen, you're not defined by your family. You can't help what your family is doing, but you can change your life." Somebody along the way helped that person. It, mm-hmm. There wasn't an epiphany mm-hmm. by a child without somebody mm-hmm. interceding. And we all need to intercede. When we see a child in trouble, we should step up to the plate. If it's if it's just in little ways letting them know somebody cares. Mm-hmm. You know, and being because, a good role model. I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. And being a good role, exactly. True. Exactly, very Reginald. True. Very true. That, that substitute statement. And just the families that I've worked with and work with now or over the past 20 years, there was someone, there was a teacher, there was someone who told them, you know, you can do better. You are not defined by by your past. And, you know, we're speaking of breaking some generational curses. Well, Lamar Odom has had the opportunity to break that generational curse. His dad was a, still continues to be a heroin addict. Well, mm-hmm. he had the opportunity to make these millions of dollars to improve himself. That in mm-hmm. itself would have broken that generational curse that I'm mm-hmm. no longer what my dad is. Now, if you have children, then you, your children pass that on and on and on. So I, so I really agree that there, there's someone, and, and I tell my clients all the time, you know, you can't say that you didn't have someone try to help you because I'm standing right here. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's up to that that kid, that client to grab on to that one person, whoever that person is. But I totally yes. agree. There's been somebody who has, who has attempted to help them or, in, you know, step up. Absolutely. Sandy, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I am absolutely in that same ballpark. Um, I think that when um, when I was working with high school, one of my best friends was working with the elementary schools and the middle schools as far as um, conflict resolution and bullying. And again, I mean, this is going back, you know, a couple dozen years. And I've the opportunity to to make a difference in this way to empower the youth to be able to see that they do have a say, that they can make a difference, is huge, and we need to keep doing it. Um, I had an opportunity a couple of years ago to speak and be part of a program um, at one of the uh, middle school in Casa Grande. They had like 150 fifth grade girls, and they did a a mother-daughter program or mother units program with daughters. And it was wonderful, and we got to do a whole bunch of different exercises and everything just to to broaden the connection. And mm-hmm. when um, when I see when I see the the youth now, and um, and someone said earlier, uh, you know, when when one of them is able to do something, they touch so many others, and those touch so many others. Mm-hmm. And we need to we need to get there at that early age because they take it to the workplace, they take it to 
take it everywhere that they go. They take it to their community. And mm-hmm. if we don't, yeah, if we don't drill down and help them the best that we can and keep doing things, um, I mean, our youth conference is, you know, one day for a half a day. And we're, you know, and we also have people in our organization, you know, like yourself and myself who help other, who help schools start programs and, and, and give of our time to be able to, to try to make that happen. But mm-hmm. when, when these youth do get these skills, when it's on their resume, it, it just cuts through layers. When, when someone who's hiring sees that they have, um, you know, participated in conflict resolution programs, that they get to the top of the pile because that person is perceived not only as someone who is unlikely to cause trouble in the workplace, but they're also mm-hmm. immediately seen as someone who is likely to help inter- intervene and stop trouble in the workplace. And so exactly. it's, a double, it, it's a double bonus when they get mm-hmm. involved in this. And so we need more people like those of us, you know, here talking today to get out mm-hmm. there and and get these programs going and to help people understand the benefits and that when when one youth is is educated in this process and that it's not just if they did any mediations at school. You can have you can have a kid who never did a single mediation at school, but he can touch a thousand other people just through what he does at home what he teaches his parents, what mm-hmm. he tells other friends, and all these informal times that they're able to make a difference because someone comes to them because they know that they have that skill. And that my, my peer helpers groups, they, they prevented suicide. They prevented um, eating disorders. They prevented family fights. They prevented so many things when they mm-hmm. were you know, involved and listened. It was incredible. I'm I'm so proud of of every one of them, everyone who gets into these programs and helps to spread those. And this is what we need to fix our to fix our world before it breaks completely. Before it really breaks. And I'm and and um you know we're going to have to take a break here in about three minutes. But I you know I want to say that um um. I, I, I'm just so, um, enamored by all of the conversation that's going on here because, and I hope that, you know, a lot of people are listening and they tell other people to tune in and go into the archive and listen to this because this is really great, uh, uh, uh conversation that we're having here. Uh, the thing about it is, Sandy, as you and I know that, uh, getting into the schools to talk to them about implementing a program is like you're telling them to go and jump off the Brooklyn Bridge or something with weights on your feet you know um and 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 what they reply to me is is that oh someone that's eight years old isn't gonna be able to talk to another one i'm sure they can because you're looking at a person who is eight years old who could talk people out of doing certain things you know stupid Mm -hmm. things you know um in, in in their life and the other thing about that too you guys is that if uh it, you know, if a person, uh, you know, if you have friends or whatever, such as Sandy is talking about how you can help people and things like that, if they don't agree with what you're saying, they're gonna, they're gonna go away from you. Do you, do you, do you agree with that, Terry? Yes, I absolutely agree. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And the workplace is definitely a cesspool for bullying. 
I mean, it is, it is huge. And, and too often the resolution is, okay, well, you know, it ends up in a court, you know, court battle, you know, you have a lot of, um, court costs, you know, attorney fees and this and that. When I think that if they had, um, you know, a mediator on staff, you know, who could mediate these things, such as Terry, um, Sandy and myself, um, cause I know in my mediations, I make it my business that people learn something. And I say that to them in my whole, um, beginning speech, um, you guys, that the, you know, there's a lot of intents in this mediation process. And one of them is that you walk away with a tool or some tools that you can use in your life outside of here to, you know, to, um, diminish, um, a, a potential disagreement or, or something like that. You know what I mean? So now when um, we're going to take a break here in about a minute, but when we come back, I want to ask each one of you about um, the, you know, the the helpfulness of pres- uh, professional resolution to resolve family issues. And a lot of family issues come to court because I know because I sit on the bench that that could have been um, resolved uh, through mediation. So if you when you know you guys think about it a little bit, you know, I would like for you to come up with one family issue that you feel that could actually be uh resolved by a professional mediator instead of going to the family court and resolving in, you know, it it getting so out of hand that it causes that it causes um, you know, a violent behavior and that maybe could even end up in death like the two brothers that was fighting here in Arizona. Um, yesterday. So stay tuned, guys, and come back with me and my panel. Do you have disagreements with your landlord regarding your home or apartment that you are renting? Or have you fallen behind in your HOA payments and you cannot reason with the HOA Association for resolution of your issues? I can assist you. I am an independent professional mediator. My name is Teresa E. Keyes. Give me a call at 480-283-7270 or email me at Teresa at mediationtalkshow.expert. You do not have to litigate your disagreements. They can be professionally mediated. The process of professional mediation is an effective, efficient, timely, and less costly method for resolving your disputes. Please give me a call for a zero two eight three seven two seven zero. Welcome back to Put It All on the Table through Mediation. Here again, Teresa E. Keeves. Thank you for turning, uh, returning again with me and my guests, Reginald Campbell, Sandy Roberts, and Terry Griffiths. We are discussing generation to generation. Before we took a break, I put a question to my panelists. I was asking them, uh, you know, to give me one uh, example um, of how professional mediation could help resolve um, family issues, because as we know, family issues is the reason that our generations is, you know, is not evolving in the manner in how it should, you know, evolve. So let's start with Terry. Did you have a moment to think about it? Yes, definitely divorce should be mediated first. Often the, the married couple has issues that are between them and the children are caught in the middle. So I think if you get the husband and the wife together, 
immediately, even before that divorce complaint is filed, um, they can realize the impact on their children sooner instead of it going into World War III. Exactly. I totally agree because it's always, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a trying process, divorce is. And, um, and, and it can be a hurtful process. Um, and then when there's children involved, they always get caught in the middle, you know, and they're, they're seeing all of this, you know, they're seeing their family like implode a lot of them. And it does affect them greatly, the children. Thank you for that, Terry. Um, Reginald? Well, I, I can't say one thing in particular. I'll just say any and all family issues. Uh, so mm-hmm. there could be an issue that, that, uh, we've never even thought of that, um, uh, that mediation can, can assist that family with. So, uh, so my answer would be any and all family issues. Okay, fantastic. Sandy? Yeah, I, I'm kind of with Reginald there on the hard to put it into one issue, but what sort of is, is like forming for me is that we we send families or parents or children to so many different things uh, for issues that they have, but we're not sending them to just learn how to do mediation and to mm-hmm. learn how to um, think of it as a resource in the same sense that we you know I, I love the idea of you know, when they're divorcing or anything, but just you know parent child conflicts they don't know how to resolve that. Um, school conflicts, they don't know how to resolve that. And if there was a broad-based program in the same sense of sending them to detox, we should send them to deconflict that. So mm, very good. In, in that manner, I would love to see something like that come up, come together. Yeah, that would, that's, that's very good. Very well said, Sandy. Okay, now, you know, guys, in my research, I came across this, this article. All right. And um, it says that in a December 24 article by Pinker and Andrew Mack, after reviewing many of the statistics, they were saying that the world is not falling apart. <laughs> he says that um, the kinds of violence to which most people are vulnerable, homicide, rape, battering, child abuse, have been a steady decline in most of the world. Okay. So he says that, too much of our impressions of the world comes from a misleading formula of journalistic narration. Do you agree with that? Terry? Well, he's pigeonholed a certain form of violence, um, violence, criminal violence. And I think in some places in the world it's decreasing. However, our society is permeated with violence on the television and the movies, the games. Um, we're a very, very violent culture, whether murder rate is going down or not. Our mm-hmm. children are, are, you know, on a daily basis. So mm-hmm. if he's, there's, that's only one aspect of violence. Mm-hmm. Reginald? Yeah, I, I, I really agree with Terry on that. I, I don't know where, where the sentiment of getting is. Uh, and information from, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, as far as violence going down. I don't think anyone who lives in Chicago would say that, having come from Chicago five months ago. I don't think anyone in Chicago would say that, that violence and everything is, has gone down. Um, so we are a violent well, society. Um, you know, as, as Terry was saying, I mean, it, 
just just our so-called entertainment. I was looking the other day, and you know, Fridays, you know, have the new movies and everything coming out. I have yet to see really, say, of the five movies that have come out in the last month, which ones aren't violent. There has mm-hmm. something to do. There's always a gun. There's always something in there. So these these video games, every new video game, it, it has something to do with shooting and all of that. So that's our form of of, of entertainment. There's there's something definitely wrong. Absolutely, Sandy. Yeah, along the line of what Reginald is saying, we're desensitizing generations were normalizing violence and, mm-hmm. and then we're surprised when they go out and do something and they it starts so young uh, with the video games etc that you know they don't have that connection that this is this is you know not real and what happens mm-hmm. when you actually do it to someone or someone actually gets hurt and exactly they're missing they're missing those connective links of of what actually happens proportionate to what they're able to play. And, yeah, the movies are, you know, terrible. I mean, you you can't, yeah. (laughs) If if you go blow up a nation or something, you know, don't go to the movies. Exactly. I mean, it's because, you know, um, my husband and I are avid moviegoers, and I was even an avid moviegoer before he and I, um, you know, got together. Uh, 20 years ago. And it's, and it's hard. I mean, like compared to even, let's say, um, eight, eight to 10 years ago, we were frequently at the movie, like every week. Now it's maybe once a month or twice, maybe, you know, we take the kids to something, you know, some type of animation or something they want to see. And then maybe there's, um, some movie at, um, at the Harkins Theater. Um, um, up there uh, in in Scottsdale that shows a lot of the what I call the the artsy type movies and or and or maybe they're showing a movie um um you know that's that's with Robert De Niro or or something like that you know that that's that's not so crazy um that we can look at because it's it's just too much you know and I agree with you Reginald I I have no idea where he got his his uh, statistics from. Um, uh, Pinker and Andrew Mack. It does not say where they got their statistics from. He says that um, the reporters give leverage coverage to gun bursty explosions and viral videos oblivious to how representat- representative they are and apparently innocent of the fact that many were um, contrived as journalists, you know, bait. You know, so in other words, he's saying that... Um, Okay, well, the journalists, you know, they're going there to report on nothing but this. I want to say this. There are a lot of great things happening in our world. And I do feel that, um, you know, the news media, the journalists should report on that more than they do the bad things. However, when they're reporting on the bad things, it makes the populace aware of what is actually happening out there. What What do you guys think? We have like... Three minutes left. Sandy, let's uh, well, start I with think, you. Um, I, I think that it's really, you know, it, it's a toss-up because if we don't know what's happening, uh, you know, then we're, you know, we have our heads in the sand again. Uh, we need to know what's happening, but we also need to know what we can do to stop it from happening, and I think that's the piece that's missing. 
system. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Terry? Well, I think the media sensationalize the mass killings, too. They make the shooters famous, and that's what the shooters want. So I think there should be a moratorium on. I don't think a murderer's name should even be um, mentioned. They should focus on the victims, but they need to stop sensationalizing. They're encouraging this um, by sensationalizing it. Okay, Reginald. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Terry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, by it, I mean these shootings, shooting after shooting after shooting. And when you read about it, every shooter wants to be famous. Mm-hmm. A lot of them do it because for attention. Reginald, let's hear your your um, take on it. Yeah, I, I, I sort of, uh, really agree with me because some of these guys you talk about, oh, I want to go out in a, in a blaze of glory and all of that. And, and the media does sensationalize it. Um, uh, there's a uh, guy on MSNBC in the morning who, and I love MSNBC, but I can't watch this guy because he sensationalizes stuff. It's like he's playing to the camera. It's like you're there to report the news, not to, you know, play to the camera and your facial expressions and all of that. And mm-hmm. um, that's why, you know, I, I and, and I want to tell Sandy, please do not give up. Uh, you, you and and, and uh, uh, Sandy, you and Terry, not please, please don't give up of getting into these schools. Because I don't care what these schools say, or we don't need what they have done. They have not done anything. So for them to I say agree. that, that well, you know, we don't need this. Well, you do because what do you have implemented now to help these kids? You 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 don't. Uh, exactly. So don't yeah. Don't stop. Please don't. Do not let them discourage you. Oh, from and, oh and, and we're not. Isn't that right, Sandy? <laughs> Sandy right. and Terry, we we're not. not. Well, listen, we not. as I always tell my brother, the time goes by so fast. And uh, my engineer and I even cut down the advertisement so that we could continue this very important topic of generation to generation. And um, I want to thank my panelist, Terry Griffith. Um, Sandy Roberts, Reginald Campbell, you are always, you know, very dear to my heart. And I really appreciate you taking your time to discuss this matter with me and to my and for my listening audience members. And in closing, as I always say, to be kind to yourself and one another. This is Teresa E. Keeves. We'll be talking again in two weeks. Have a blessed day. Mm-hmm.